follow along. This is God's word. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, so they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And then, and when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I chose to give to the last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as your people. Father, we thank you for your word and I pray now for Pete as he comes to speak to us. Lord, would you anoint him with your spirit? Father, I pray that we would receive fresh revelation of this text, that God, that you would speak to our hearts and to our minds, and that, Lord, that this text today would change us. God, that we would just leave our flesh aside, and, Father, we would just seek to know you and your kingdom better. And, Lord, we just pray for um, the global situation at the minute. Father, we continue to pray for the ongoing pandemic, and, Lord, we just ask that at this time that your kingdom would break through. Lord, that you would do a mighty work in the global church, and that in every country and in every nation, Father, that your gospel would break out. Lord, that those who are dwelling in darkness would, Lord, that they would find the true light of Jesus. That, Father, we as your people would go as you've commanded and tell all the nations. Father, we just pray for those who are suffering right now. God, that we would be a friend to them. Lord, that you would open our eyes to see the needs of others. And that, Lord, that we as a church would be generous, just as how you have been radically generous in this passage as well. So, Lord, just send your presence and your spirit upon us now. And we just thank you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Morning, folks. For those of you that are regular Cornerstone uh, attendees, I should say, You'll know this is not my usual uh, gig, so I would just pray you'll be patient with me 
as I, as I try to walk through <clears throat> this passage this morning. I, I don't know <clears throat> if everybody here has kids, but you'll definitely know this. If you have kids, though, you particularly know this, you know the phrase, this is not fair. I don't know, but like our kids, we have never practiced fairness. We've never really explained fairness to our guys, but I would say our guys there are world experts in fairness. And to give you an example, if I arrived home one night completely unannounced and gave Rowan one pack of football cards, as I walked through the door, he'd be delighted. He'd have a big smile. And then if I turned around right in front of Rowan and gave Rhea two packs of football cards, there would be a riot. No one expected football cards. Rowan should be happy, shouldn't he? he? Out of nowhere, he's just got another pack of football cards. But the fact that Rhea got two when he got one would erode any joy he had with his one pack. And you know, as adults, we're not exempt from this fairness game either. You want to know what fairness is like? Just try being in a WhatsApp group with Gareth Brunty for one week. You could be sitting in an office in Belfast on a sunny day, your boss just keeps piling and piling on the stuff at the front of your desk, and you could be sure Bronte will send through a picture of a golf course or some perfectly formed Ulster Fry. You see, today's parable is all about folks who look at their situation and shout, this is not fair. But Jesus steps in to challenge this viewpoint that it should be radically different. And a way to look at the different points of view that Jesus is chatting about is through that phrase that you love it if you can say it, but you hate when somebody says it to you. Someone must have stepped out on the wrong side of the bed this morning. Someone must have stepped out on the wrong side of the bed this morning. That phrase we have for folks that are completely miserable first thing in the morning. So miserable that no matter what you say, what you do, what you give to them, that person can see no good in what you're saying at all because they got out on the wrong side of bed. You get out on the wrong side of bed, and life is just not fair. But the opposite's also true, isn't it? If someone gets out of bed on the right side, well, they're nearly unbearable, aren't they? No matter what obstacles you put in front of them, it's all good. Life is for the living, they'll say. All, you, all they can see is good no matter what. Get out of bed on the right side, and it's all go. And you see, Jesus in this parable is saying that in life, there's two ways to view the kingdom, two ways to get out of bed, so to speak. The first way, you can get out of bed on the side of fairness. No matter what is going on, good or bad, nothing's fair. Get out of bed on the side of fairness, and you start very, very quickly comparing your situation to others. And very quickly, you find lots of reasons to start shouting, that's just not fair. Why me? That's not fair. The second way, however, Jesus is going to show us here this morning is to get out of bed on the side of grace, to see that we deserve nothing, but in fact, we have been given everything. To understand that we deserve to be last, but by grace, we're first. This is a radical challenge to us this morning, and as I prepared this, nobody was challenged more than I was. So let's have a look at this morning's passage. If you want to try and follow along loosely in your Bible, Jesus tells this parable of a master of the house who went out to find workers for his vineyard. He agrees a denarius for a day's labor. This is a typical wage for a laborer. It's a fair wage. 
He goes out again on the third hour and gets more workers. And then out again on the sixth hour and the ninth hour. And as he hires them, he says, he will pay them whatever is right. And finally, he goes out on the eleventh hour and he still sees some guys standing about. And he takes them to the vineyard as well, despite the fact that there's only one more hour left in this day. At the end of the day, the owner calls them all up for payment. And the way he does it is, he says, right, the last guys into the vineyard, the boys that are just hired at the eleventh hour, you guys come up first. And one by one, he gives them exactly the same pay, one denarius per man. And that's where the problems start. You see, if we're honest, we see the problem with the first workers, the first guys into the, prob- into the vineyard, we see their point of view straight away, don't we? If we're being honest, we can see the scene at the end of the day, stand in the queue at the back, waiting for payment, and you see the part-time lads at the front who have only worked one hour step up there, and they get a denarius. You'd be saying to each other at the back, this is first class, lads. This guy's a legend. One hour, one denarius. I don't even know what it's going to be, but it's going to be big. We have nailed this, lads. And then when they finally get to the front, they finally stand in front of the owner, the last to be paid, and they get given the same. They just get one denarius. You must admit You're sort of on the side of the early workers here, aren't you? In the vines from 6 a.m., a full day's work, right through the heat of the day, and you get exactly the same as the scroungers who have just walked in for the last hour. This is not fair, and it is clearly not right. You see, Jesus is a master at telling stories and getting you to side with the wrong person. This is just like the last time some of you had the misfortune to hear me preach when I preached on the prodigal, Luke 15. Jesus has you thinking that the older brother in that story is kind of right. He stayed around while the younger brother was off, spending his inheritance, having a wild time. He comes home in shame, and now he gets the fattened calf. How's that fair? Where's Where's my share? We naturally side with the older brother, don't we? He towed the line. He did everything right. He never left. And here we have the prodigal. What's he getting? The father runs out to meet him. He's receiving forgiveness. He's getting blessings. He's getting the fattened calf. He's got the big party. It's just not fair. In our parable, the early workers were grumbling. If you look just at verse 12, these last only work for one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. And in reply, the owner of the vineyard asks three questions. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, these three questions. These questions teach us about God. They teach us about the kingdom. And more importantly, they show us our hearts. Are we getting up on the side of fairness? Or are we getting up on the side of grace? So let's look at the first question, verse 13. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for one denarius? Did you not agree with me for one denarius? Jesus is pointing out here that God always does what he says, whatever he promises. The owner promised one denarius, didn't he? And that's what you got. You got one denarius. I I had an old boss in my old job who sadly passed away not so long ago called Brian Moffat. He was a brilliant man for stories. He had stories for all occasions, and he's just made it into a sermon. And Brian tells the story of his son that came to him one day and said, Dad, I need some extra money. What could we do? And I I could clean your car. And Brian went, clean the car. 
So the kid went out, spent apparently an hour or whatever cleaning the car and came in, and Brian said, good job, yeah, but did you wax it? And the kid said, no, 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 and he goes, well, we'll wax the car. So the kid went out and spent another hour waxing the car, and the wee fella apparently came in and said to Brian, That's, what do we get, what do we get? And Brian said, did you hoover it? And he said, no, I didn't hoover it. And he goes, well, you better go hoover it. So the kid went out, and apparently the kid spent all day basically cleaning this car, and he came in, <laughs> spit in the hands, and said, Dad, the car's immaculate. And Brian admits at this point, if he was here to tell you the story, that the kid had done a fantastic job. Like, it was like something out of one of those YouTube videos. The lads had polished cars and get them all looking fully valid. And Brian went to pay the boy, and Brian paid the lad one pound. And the son said, catch yourself on. And the sad thing is, some of you think this story's already great. But he said to the son at this stage, always agree the price before you take a job. And I remember the night I said to him, surely about an hour later, Brian, you slipped the kid 20 quid? To which Brian said, Pete, if I'd done that, he would have forgotten the lesson. So he was a harsh taskmaster, our Brian. Thankfully, God does not operate like that. The owner promised one denarius, and that's what he got paid, one denarius, a fair wage. God with us is clear what he promises. He always does what he says. There are no tricks with God. Joshua 21, 45, no one word of all the good promises that the Lord has made to the house of Israel had failed. All come to pass. If God promises, God delivers. No tricks, no gimmicks, God delivers. And look at what he promises us. When we, when we look, it's not just a fair return, is it? It's totally undeserved, amazing grace. John 3, 16, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He loved us so much, he gave us son so that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. See how much you're loved by the Father. Whilst we're still sinning against him, he comes out to meet us. While we're still sinning against him, he sent his son to save us. Jesus is saying here, so in this first question, why are you comparing yourself to others? Why are you stepping out on the side of fairness and grumbling? Look at how blessed you are already. Look at how much your heavenly Father loves you. He's saying here, guys, just look around you. Get out on the side of grace. So we move on to the second question, verse 15. And he says to the guys, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? The original context of this passage was the disciples. If you look just back in your passage, just to the end of the previous chapter, you'll see where I'm, where I'm chatting about here. The disciples were chatting away to Jesus, and they started to think about sort of need a reward here, don't we? If you read chapter 19, verse 27, you'll see the bit where he says, see, we have left everything and followed you. So what then will we have? We have worked for you, we've followed you, we've given up things for you. So what Peter's saying here is, just like the early start workers, we actually have a right to some of what you have over there. Think of what we have given up. Think of how much work we have done. So see what you have there, that, that pile you have? We have a right to some of that. See, looking at the parable, 
The vineyard is actually an Old Testament image for Israel. And the early workers here are the Israelites. They're the guys that have been there from the very start. And then what does the owner do? The owner keeps going into town to get more workers, doesn't he? Before you know it, there's Gentiles, there's tax collectors, there's sinners, all these people, the reprobates, there's hellions, people you couldn't like if you tried, are piling into the vineyard. And they're accepted like everyone else. How's that fair? The Israelites are the ones that have been slogging through the trials and the tribulations of the Old Testament. We've all worked through those stories. They've been slaves. They've been through persecution. And the vineyard owner is now bringing these folks in at the 11th hour. What a joke. As co-heirs, the last in the door are now first. It's completely scandalous behavior, isn't it? I must confess, I, I fall into this trap all too easily. I could give you umpteen examples, but I'll give you an example from here, from church. When we first ran our kids club in Cornerstone here one year, I was up at the front acting the leg, getting on like this. I was doing games, I was doing this, and I did the talk, did one of the talks for the kids. The next year we did, or the next session, I can't remember it was the next year, it was just the next one we did, I was dropped. I was dropped from the team sheet. I was dropped from the front row. I'm not even sure who led the club that next time out, but I must confess, in my head, I was baffled. I thought I'd earned the right to be up there. Did, did I not do a good job? In fact, some of you said I did a good job, but I'm just dropped. It should have been me up there, not some of these blow-ins that just happened to turn up to church not so long ago that I'm sitting watch up at the front. And honestly, if I, put, if I am honest, I stood at the back and I was only thinking about what I would do different at the front. I had got out of, sight of, out of bed on the side of fairness, and I could only stand at the back and see fault after fault after fault. Do you know what? In reality, the folks at the front did a brilliant job. Our kids had a ball. If I had got out of bed on the side of grace, I'd have just celebrated the gospel being preached to the kids, wouldn't I? They were my kids. My kids were sat there having fun, hearing the gospel, and I'm at the back finding fault. You see, folks, on the side of fairness, it's all about me. But on the side of grace, it's all about Jesus. See, there's a challenge to us here as a church as well, to us individually and collectively. How do we act, really, when somebody new comes into our church? We maybe go up, we're maybe friendly, we're good at that. But do we welcome them in as equal partners? What if you or I had to step aside from our current role to make space for them? Do we start to see it as unfair? Do we fight back? That's so-and-so. I know what they're at. Or do we step back in grace, praising God for sending our church more people and more talent? You see, God is in debt to no one. It all belongs to him. I don't have any rights our special privileges. I'm only here by grace, and it is already all His. Acts 17, 24 sums this up well. The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is He served by human hands, as though He needed anything, since He Himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Just read that last bit again. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, 
since he himself gives all mankind life and breath and everything. We're well blessed. Last question, verse 15. The last question they ask the guys is, this is the one that really kicks it home. Do you begrudge my generosity? Do you begrudge my generosity? See, Jesus is saying to us here, it's not about money. It's not about your efforts. It's not about what you do. It's all about your heart. Can we honestly say we look around and just delight in God's generosity and goodness? Seeing the world as if we've got out of bed on the side of grace, so thankful for all the Father has done for us. But more so, do we share in the joy when he just chooses to bless other people? It's all his. He chooses to bless others, and do we just celebrate that? Or do we sometimes look at God's generosity and think, I wouldn't be so happy, but I see what everybody else has. If I, if I had money like them, if I had a marriage that was as happy as theirs seems to be, if I had kids that were just like that, if I had a better job like your man, and Jesus says to us, are you upset because I'm generous? Is your eye evil because I'm good? Do you begrudge my generosity? Again, I must confess, I, I, I fall short of this. And again, I could give you example after example, but I'll give you one from just last week. Sat where Garth Bronte is at the sign desk. It's the worst kept secret in Refryland at the moment that we're selling our house. There are no secrets in Refryland, and seemingly there's no shame in asking me where the bids are at and where we're going to live next. In fact, if Joanne sends me to the milestone for milk at the minute, uh, get picking up a bottle of milk takes me about an hour to get round the milestone. It's not questions I've had, it's more like an interrogation. And even people I've barely spoken to feel free to come up and have a chat to me about it. And to let you know, just to clear the air, we'll get it all out there, we're looking to hopefully sell and maybe build. And to be honest, if anybody's ever come through that, for the last three, four weeks, all Joanne and I have done is look at the cost of a site, look at the cost of materials, try to figure this out. The quotes have gone up. It's been figures. My head's been melted. Can we make it work? I'm about to jump. We've got five kids. This is madness. And I know some of you are sat there this morning saying, Pete, those are great first world problems you have. And I hear you. But last week, because of all this buzzing around in my head, you know, I actually missed the start of the sermon. Robbo started his sermon by mentioning, it was just a nice throwaway comment. He mentioned the lovely time he had, and he mentioned they were staying at the Murray's house. Murray, put your hands up. This is the Murray's, the superstars. And I'm sitting at the back where Gareth is, and I find my thoughts drifting, thinking about the Murray's house. I started thinking, I wonder how much it would have cost to build that house back in the day. Materials were a lot cheaper then, weren't they? And then I thought to myself, well, I suppose it was easy for them because Ali got a free sight, didn't he? He got a free, got a free sight from Collie's good with the sights. And then, before I knew it, I thought, flip me, how fair is that? Here I am, trying to make it work, trying to save money, trying to get this spreadsheet to line up. And Ali Murray and Emily Murray get a free start. They get a free sight. They get a best start. And honestly, 
if I'm being honest, my heart was going, how is that fair? And then I thought, and here it comes, we could all host preachers, couldn't we, in our lovely great house, if all of us got a free sight. That's what I was thinking. So Robbo starts to preach, and I managed to pick up the second sermon, I have to say, because when you do sound, you do both sermons. So I got the full sermon in the end. And I'm sitting there listening to a guy who's come along to preach the Word of God to our congregation. And what Emily and Al had done was just first class, wasn't it? You see, if I'd have stepped out of bed on the side of grace there, I would have thought to myself, as soon as he said it, how great's our church? How great is my church family that there's people willing to open their doors up here to strangers? He let a man from Liverpool stay in his house without any monitoring. Praise God for great folks in my church. Praise God. Another angle on this we could see if we look at it just from collectively, we so often pray for revival here, don't we? You come to a prayer service, everybody loves to open the prayer, and somebody somewhere, and it's great, and we need it, and we pray for it, somebody somewhere will say, Father, please bring revival to Refryland. That the Holy Spirit would stir the hearts of the folks of Refryland, bring the masses to church and faith. Father, we want revival, please, Father. But would we really be as happy if revival happened in Freiland and it kicked off down the road? Imagine our numbers here start to dwindle. We end up dropping the young farmers. In fact, we end up back in the hub. It's like a wee small uh, building we own where we do some new stuff. We end up back in church in there. Whilst down the road, the Baptist church is bursting at the seams. How can this be? We've all given up so much for Cornerstone, haven't we? We've given up time. We've done kids' clubs. We've given our money. We've prayed so much for revival. We were the ones that were praying for revival. We have worked so hard week by week. And if, let's be honest, line us up beside the Baptist, we are cooler. Let's call a spade a spade. We're the cooler church. Our musicians sometimes stand up here, play drums, wearing beanie hats. If there's going to be a revival in Refryland, the revival happens right here. We deserve to be in first place. If there's any sort of revival to happen, it's Cornerstone. That's where we kick it off, with the beanie hats and the drums. We have earned that much, surely. Jesus says to us here, careful. Careful, Steph. Sorry. Careful. Steph, this is the serious bit. Careful. You're walking on the side of fairness, older brother. See, look at Matthew 19. We all know this as well. Verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So what is Jesus saying we should do here? Jesus says, get up on the side of grace. The harvest in, is plentiful in Refryland. Let's be honest. We know it is. We talk about it all the time. If the Baptist church starts bursting at the seams, we should just rejoice. If we end up having to close our doors because the Baptist church has gone to seven services, we should just rejoice and praise God for bringing more workers. Let's try to bring this all to a close this morning. See, Jesus challenges us here to see where our hearts are at. 
Are we stepping out on the side of fairness? Or are we stepping out on the side of grace? Because what God does, what he promises, he never, ever fails us. And, and here's the last question for us this morning. Who do you think we are in the parable? Think of the workers through the day. Who do you think we are in that story? First guy's in 6 a.m. Think of it all the way through. I'll tell you, we're the ones that get called in at the 11th hour. That's us. We have done absolutely nothing to deserve it. Yet the father came out to meet us. The father came out to get you. Like the prodigal son coming over. Coming, the father runs out to us. We are but sinful sinners that sin sinfully. That's what we bring to the party. We are sinful sinners that sin sinfully. Yet the Father sent His Son to die for us, that we may enter the kingdom by grace and grace alone. Why would you want to get up on the side of fairness? Father, help us. Father, help us to get up on the side of grace. And as the song so aptly puts it, were you to count my sinful ways, how could I come before your throne? Yet full of forgiveness meets my gaze. I stand redeemed by grace alone. I stand redeemed by grace alone. Thank you, folks. Um, I'll just pray for us as we close. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you, for, uh, thank you for the stories that Jesus tells, Father, that just open up our hearts, Father, stories that just show us our hearts. Father, and thank you that you still love us. Father, thank you that even though we are the workers that are standing in the 11th hour, we have done nothing, yet you still came out to get us. We were still sinners, Father, but you sent our Son to die for us, that we may enter the kingdom by grace and grace alone. Why would we want to get up on the side of fairness, Father? Father, please help us. Please help us all this morning to step out on the side of grace.